Hello, hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today, I have a really special guest from uh, based out of Dubai, but living currently in Pakistan, uh, Ibrahim Dar. Uh, Ibrahim, thank you for coming today, and go ahead and introduce yourself. Thank you for having me. I'm a professional speaker, I'm an author of a book that you will like, and I also own a business that you don't care about. But what you <laughs> care about is the fact that I work from home and I would be able to work from home even if there was no pandemic because I planned and moved away from my office job, which was at the highest level actually as head of marketing in my field, to a home-based business because I just like the comfort and I just didn't expect the challenges that come from working from home. So ultimately, what's the most relevant uh, to your audience, to the people who are listening, is the fact that I strategically plan to move away from my uh, office job to a work-from-home business. And now that I'm seeing some challenges with work King from home, I'm strategically adjusting things so they won't persist. So when we discuss strategies that I'm, I'm thinking of implementing to make my working from home life better, it might be possible that it might spark an insight that would be useful to every single person working from home. That's my hope. So there are several things that are going to come up in this interview, and I'm going to just address one or two of them right off the bat. And number one is Ibrahim is a confident guy. And part of that is because he's a confident coach. Um, is that big part of your business right now or a little bit? So confidence coaching. So what I, I wear two hats. As a freelancer, I'm a one-on-one -on -one coach to executives, and I help them be their most confident self. And then my second hat, uh, and, and that's the business for which I have written the book, Charm Like a Narcissist. And the second part is I own a ghostwriting business uh, by the name of Market Capture Consultancy. And we write uh, biographies for micro celebrities. So it's a, uh, it's a business that I own in which I do not work, but the one where I actually spend every single minute working is my coaching practice. Uh, of which this is a promotional aspect. Which one started first for you? The ghostwriting business. So I was initially in the marketing field. I became the group marketing director for a company called Crystal Golf Hospitality. So it was like they had, um, they had uh, lifestyle and fine dining destinations in different five-star hotels all across Abu Dhabi, which is the capital of UAE. And I have a feeling your audience might be bored if I go the long way with the story. But long story short is I got at the top in marketing, but then I had to translate to working from home, translate that, transfer that to working from home. And the best possible way was to take what I had, my career capital, and translate it. So first I opened a marketing company. And then as we started marketing, I uh, focused on marketing personality-based brands, okay, personal brands. And then we niched our service further down to an exact science, something that I excel in, which is writing books. So then we just became 100% all about writing books because social media management, everything else, everyone else can do. Writing great books, telling someone's story as if they are a legend. 
that's just natural to my voice. That's what I do. So we did this and it became so successful that I was able to take time off of this business, just oversee it as an editor. And what that does is it gives me seven more hours, working hours a day that are completely vacant. And it also gives me time to sit with my workaholic personality. So of course I was <laughs> going to do something else. And that's when I leaned into one-on-one -on -one coaching. So you have narrowed that niche down even further from just not biographies or books, but to micro celebrities. How did you land there? It's, it's just people I like working with. You know, my grandfather had like, well, I think 16 children. I, I literally don't have count because I have 52 first cousins. And I told my dad and he said, well, I've got more than that only on my dad's side. And then his total is over 150. Okay, this might be cultural shock, but this is Pakistan, all right? So I asked my grandfather, why do you have so many kids? And he said, well, if you have enough kids, one of them is going to make you proud. So with, <laughs> now, now, how does that tie to working with micro-celebrities? Is that if I work with enough micro-celebrities, one of them is going to bound to just shoot through the roof, become a superstar. And then I will be one of the people who's contributing to that story. So anywhere I see potential, I would like to be able to contribute to that story. And it's it's been pretty good. It's been pretty good. Now, I almost have you beat. I, I think I technically maybe have 55 first cousins. But that comes with my, <clears throat> my father died and my mom remarried. And my my. My father was one of six kids. My mother was one of seven kids. And my stepfather is one of seven kids. So there's a lot of, a lot of cousins. <laughs> okay. So, wow, that's amazing. So I do come from a big family. Um, my mom had 10 kids. Oh, but that's wow. not normal. That's not normal here in the States. That's still on the okay. fringe end of. <laughs> so, so why, why would. Why did that happen, though? Your mom was like, like, why did she have 10 kids? Um, well, I mean, she, loves she just children. wanted a big family. She, she loves children and I guess was just going to see how many they would have, I guess. So my cat is trying uh -huh, to come okay. and say hi. Um, yeah, <laughs> so she had three with my dad and she was pregnant when the third one um, with the third baby when my father died in a tragic accident. And then she remarried um, and there was twins in there. So, yeah, I was 25 years oh, old yeah, yeah. when my baby sister was born. It was quite the it's quite a story and it's kind of wonderful and just really different, you know, compared to what the majority of people experience. So, it's yeah, it's good. It, talking about what's different, I'll tell you something, my my would-be mother-in-law, right? The the my, my fiance's mom. She didn't have kids for thirteen years, um, but of course, eventually she did have kids because otherwise she wouldn't be my mother-in-law. How would that happen? So <laughs> she she. But initially, she didn't have kids for like thirteen years, and then she had her first child, who was my fiance, right? Who's obviously not a child anymore, but. In in like the next year or the year after that, she got pregnant again. Guess what? Triplets. It's like God's trying to make up. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Boom. 
Well, um, so, so what? How, how was it? How was it growing up with ten uh, people, like ten siblings? It's, it's well, nine how, siblings how for me. But yeah. Um, oh yeah, was, yeah, of course. It was, you know, I think with any situation, any combination of children or brothers or sisters is going to be wonderful and challenging in different ways. And for us, um, I'm the oldest, and so I had different responsibilities, and. My, um, my younger brothers and sisters, you know, had a different experience than I did. I had, uh, my parents were more strict. Oh, that, that happens a lot. Oh my God. That happens a lot. Happens so there has been a little resentment I'll, I'll, at I'll, times. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll tell you something with my elder brother. Guess what? He made the mistake of making my parents proud a little too early. Okay. So here's what happens. He, in grade three, which is the third class, right? After kindergarten, uh, this is three years later. In third grade, he gets the first position in class and mom and dad are proud of him. But now just to have them be as proud, he has to get the first, second or third position every single every year. year. And he did that. Yeah, he did that like throughout first, second or third. He always was. But dude, that like that put such an unfair burden of expectations on him. And the standards were so different for the younger sibling, which is me. It's like for him, it was you got to be the first in class. For me, it was you just have to pass. <laughs> and, and he continued He continued making them proud across all dimensions of life, I guess. So for him, it was you're going to do this degree that we like. You're going to be a doctor, a medical doctor. For me, it was like just do a degree. It's fine. <laughs> and for him, it was arranged marriage. Like, you've got to marry the woman we pick for you. For me, it was just marry a woman. And fortunately, that's like, I'm straight. So there was no clash there. Okay. <laughs> but that's, and that's, that's happening for elder. you very soon. Yes. Yep. Uh, contract signing on the 26th of this month. Now, I don't know um, Pakistani weddings. Is this um, happening in Pakistan or in Dubai? No, no, I'm in Pakistan because it's happening in Pakistan. So I'm okay. based in Dubai, but I'm here currently because I'm actually uh, trying to get married. Yes, yes, yes. Got it. I, 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 actually, I actually tried to WFH it like with my wedding as well. I tried to work from home on my wedding. Like I literally asked my would-be father-in-law i was like um can, can can we do it over zoom like i'll give my power of attorney to a lawyer send them over and then i'll do it over zoom and he literally just looked at me like uh, you i'm regretting <laughs> my approval of you oh, oh no and your future but, wife yeah. is like no oh my future wife um yeah she's 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 pretty flexible so she would have been okay with it but i'm glad that i'm here i Good. get to experience working from home from two different countries well i wanted to ask you more about that i have interviewed people from europe and asia and a few other places but not um your area so is it common is this a big part of your culture now or not really are you kind of on the cutting edge Okay, so in Dubai, if you get a bit, well, first of all, you cannot do 
any commercial activity unless you have a business license. So literally, if you're if you start selling off your old furniture, after like one or two items, you are in the gray. Like suddenly, it might become it might be considered an illegal operation, even Ooh. though you're just selling some personal items. So you might have to get a trading license and to execute that transaction. You know, if you're DJing at anything other than a birthday party or a wedding, you actually have to get a DJ business license. So literally, it's like, even if you say you're doing it for free, so there's regulations are pretty tight. Now, one Mm -hmm. of the things with most regulations before COVID used to be that when you sign up for a business license, in the cost is uh, the actual lease on an office. So that initially pushed people to go to office after because they're like paying the rent for the office. Why not use it? Wow. And the, yeah, yeah. And the next thing is, I'll tell you what, like if you were born in UAE, your pet parents better be multimillionaires because there's no way you're going to be able to afford the rent for 10 people like that space. It's so when people live in Dubai, it's usually in smaller quarters, like backyards are not that common and whatnot. So if so, if you're at your home, you might be hearing kids, you might be hearing like, I mean, if you have kids, it would be strange to hear kids if you don't have any, but you would you would actually like hear background noise and stuff. So just to focus, you might, and Dubai has excellent public transport system. So you might just pop by your office uh, every now and then. So that was greatly encouraging the culture to uh, hold on to the dinosaur of offices. But because of the pandemic, the mood has really shifted. The view regarding working from home has changed a lot and it's accelerated. So I have questions about Dubai because, you know, when I see photos, I've never visited um, skyscrapers, like mind bending architecture, things I've never imagined could be possible. And I wonder how many of those big buildings I'm looking at are housing or, you know, business. And I wonder if with this shift, if any of the buildings that were built for the intention of being office space might be converted to housing now, since the cost of living is astronomical. Okay. So I'll, I'll, touch upon that just after I cover Pakistan's work from home culture, completely different because of the, because of the thriving freelance culture here. So Pakistan's cost of living is pretty small. So it's like um, whatever you earn in the U S you have six times more purchasing power in Pakistan with the same money, because first of all, it's not getting taxed the same. And secondly, you the, the prices of stuff are low because cost of production here is low. So because of that, uh, freelancers are able to offer lower rates. Now, unfortunately, there's not a lot of specialization. Uh, so not many freelancers make top income and not many go like very niche like we've done with our business. But still, there's enough, like they still earn enough doing general tasks without specializing that they can afford comfortable living. But as a result, there's a thriving freelance culture in the country, which means working from home is common. And the only challenge now is to differentiate yourself if you have a 
business, but you just don't choose to go to the office. And if you're a freelancer, so business owner and freelancer, it's just getting so blurred. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, yeah. Because, but you only need to differentiate that if you're putting a down payment, if you're getting, uh, if you're renting an apartment, like they'd like to know if you're just a freelancer or if you own a business. So that is like, you need to show some paperwork. You have to differentiate yourself there. As, whereas in Dubai, if you have, if you're doing anything commercial, you're already a business owner because you have to get a business owner's license to do anything commercial. Wow, that's a little mind bending. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so that's the contrast. Now let's get to the skyscrapers. It's pretty much ninety percent residential units, and office space is either a commercial center. It's going to be like a commercial building, or it's going to be the mezzanine and the first floor of those uh, buildings usually. Okay. So, because the thing is, yeah, yeah an office first of all, uh, houses like. 15, 20, 30 people, like a big office. And for the same number of people, residential would require 15, 30 flats. So just by that ratio, it's like more bikes versus, it's like um, it's like buses versus bikes. You'd have more bikes on the road for the same number of people compared to buses. It's the same. It's like an office houses way too many people compared to a residential unit. And that's why there are more residential units, fewer offices. Will these offices get, will these offices get turned into something else as uh, commercial property rents go down? I don't think so because uh, the laws have artificially inflated or made mandatory offices. So you, even if you're gonna like lease one and shut it down throughout the year, you'll still have to have an office space. That's so interesting. Are these small offices? You can literally get an office the size of a cubicle in a business center. And as long as there's a physical like a lease, that's what's required. As long as that's there, you'll get your business license. So I believe that those will skyrocket in value because people will move away from prime time downtown Dubai address, prime time uh, close to World Trade Center, Abu Dhabi address, and they will go to just more obscure uh, neighborhoods, right? And they will just get a small office there that doesn't cost anything. And it's just gonna be like, uh, it's just gonna be shut and no one's gonna go there anyway. So I believe people will do more what I did with my big brain moment. I actually did literally the same thing. I got like, I literally uh, looked up the uh, biggest portal for property, right? I looked it uh, up for rent and then I sorted by price and picked the lowest one because I knew I wasn't going to go in office. So I picked the lowest priced one and I, um, and the agent was like, okay, so when are you going to visit? I'm like, I literally don't need to visit. Just show me over WhatsApp. So they live streamed it and that's it. Like I just signed it. I e-signed it and I sent mm-hmm. it to them and then they e-signed it and I made the, tra- I transferred the payment. So I literally didn't even see my agent. <laughs> so I wonder that, if your the- space has a desk or a chair there or is it just a I mean, cubicle? It, it said furnished. So yeah, desk, chair, light, water, everything's there. But utilities, electricity cost is zero. I literally don't go there. And do you, have you ever been? No, never. <laughs> and how long have you owned the space? 
it's it's well it's it's gonna be two two years in like uh two months i wonder if those laws might I, change. i renewed i renewed i renewed it without actually visiting right you're like yeah. well it's working for me <laughs> yep oh man this is really so, interesting the, the laws might change so basically all businesses aren't treated alike so there are different uh business licenses so different mm-hmm. categories so yeah the laws might change for certain businesses where they believe that they might not require offices as much so just to promote people uh promote uh those businesses um, because uae also needs to maintain its business culture they might change those laws do you have to have more than one business license since you have two different models i guess that you're you own the book company and the marketing? no i just i just no just added an activity so okay. as long as you add an activity usually it costs money to add uh, it costs money per activity but since the pandemic there's been like concessions so uh, adding activities ha- is like free for now so i just added one more activity to the same license and that's how we go after your wedding where are you going to settle down because it sounds like the cost of living is lower in pakistan are you going to go back to dubai so i want to travel the world see my problems always had been that i wanted to travel the world but didn't want to do it as a solo loser okay that's how i felt traveling solo now i'm sorry if your listeners travel solo no judgment this is how i judge myself and of course i have friends i've got lots of friends but the problem is i make more money than them so either like we cannot travel the same way like for them what would be once in a year vacation that they would rather have with their family would just be like a weekend or a month long trip for me and because of that we cannot like align things but with my wife it's like that's my wife right so we're going to travel the world so that's going to be uh, that's going to be a thing cool we're thinking of a six month long honeymoon nice um so are you embracing that digital nomad lifestyle are you looking into that digital nomad until she gets pregnant it's okay idea. i mean <laughs> honestly that's health. the truth yeah because once you have babies right now imagine like your your dad would have had to get like a private jet and not even a gulf stream like a bigger one if you if he had to lug all <laughs> 10 of you just imagine right can you imagine that, that my family great reality tv show <laughs> my family has never traveled by plane together ever like it's just of even course. by car like they just you know when my mom was just having babies for 25 years you know you really do get grounded i know there are families that successfully travel the world with their children, sometimes four children or something like that. But yeah, that was not the choice that my parents made, but my parents also chose to have a one income family. And so with a one income family, my mom was able to dedicate herself, you know, to the upbringing of all these kids, but then there's not the extra travel funds. Yeah. I mean, if, to be honest, like if you have 10 kids, you've got to have like a, you've got to have a full-time mom. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's actually just the idea of paying for daycare, even if you have four kids in daycare, which I mean, at one point we did have four kids in diapers at the same time. Um, 
mo- unless you are some superstar, you know, rock star doctor or something like that, you're not going to be able to, you, you'd be paying more money in daycare, childcare costs than you would be making for, you know, the average, <laughs> the average human being. Yeah. She was an RN nurse and she was successful. She was actually making more money than my dad was. Um, mm-hmm. but they made that wow. choice. So, yeah. Um, and I don't think that there's regrets. I don't think she ever plans on going back. I mean, my youngest sister is now 17 and she's taking college classes and everything, but I think that that should, what do you mean going her. back, going back on being to nursing to kids? No, to be, Oh, okay. And I was like, I was like, nurse. how do you yeah. reverse? <laughs> no, like, how do you reverse that choice? Yeah. But I think being a mom and a grandma, you know, and she, she's doing some things for the city. You know, she's, um, she's a really good gardener yeah. and that's a skill that she's developed over the years. And so she's basically asking the city to pay her for some of the services that she's doing in the community. But other than that, I think, yeah. you know, she's April. The thing is, I, I believe a lot of status is just associated with working a job Yeah. Uh, for women, for, for men, it's not, to be honest, right. Mm. For men, it's like, Oh, you should be an entrepreneur if you're right. working a job that's nothing. And for women, the cultural expectation is, well, if you're working at home or if you're doing your home stuff, that's nothing. But if you get a job that's doing something and this something and nothing dichotomy, I believe it should like one should choose in a vacuum out of how much esteem the society ties to yeah. uh, to an office and even stigma with working from home before the pandemic right. was just that having an office used to have, was a status symbol. Yep. And it, so, so many problems arise when status symbols are prioritized over what genuinely makes you feel happy. That's I like it. this. Yeah. In, in American culture, it's a really big thing. Like, what do you do is one of the first things that people ask instead of what do you do for fun? You know, like who yeah. cares what you do? Um, I mean, some people do what they want to do on purpose, you know, as, you know, a uh, fulfilling career and, you know, by choice, some of us work the daily job to be able to have the freedom. Honestly, I loved photography so much when I was in college and I changed my major from a music major to music and art. And I, um, I started doing photography after I graduated so much that it burnt me out and I hated photography. And now that I have kids, I'm trying to take pictures of them sometimes, but sometimes people separate their hobby from their. How far are you from 10 kids? <laughs> we How have far three are you? In. I think we're done. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm, all right. I'm turning I'm turning 43 this weekend so I wow. think we're yeah. hey I'll t- <laughs> you, you know what I literally thought you were like 28 or 29 oh thank like you maximum. <laughs> yeah um, now now sweet. here's the thing to to be honest that that could be a compliment to you or could be a diss to my age radar I don't know what it is yeah. but I really thought you were 29 when I was 24 and the lady at the pizza place asked me if I was going to be paying the kid rate or the adult rate for my um, <laughs> buffet, I was insulted. It was on my birthday. Um, I think I was 23 and she guessed that I was 14 years old. And I was like, you were nine oh years off. <laughs> How insulting. <laughs> and then when I turned, I think I was turning 41 last, well, two years ago, back when I was going to you know grocery stores in person. Um, and I told the guys at the checkout, I was like, it's my birthday today. And they're like, no way. 
Um, and they, they guessed that I was about 10 years younger than I am. And I was like, what a compliment. Mm. <laughs> so, mm. yeah. So, it so for everything. me, it was, for, for me, it was like, I always looked older. So I've, I've just recently caught up and still not fully to how I look. So I looked like this when I was like 13 <laughs> and <laughs> I, I used to, yep. So I, I, I literally did, if you actually see pictures, like I had a beard and everything. So I actually caught up with what I look like. And I used to tell my friends, I was like, look, the good news is I look handsome, but the bad news is I look like a handsome 40 year old guy. And I was 13. And now <laughs> I'm, can you guess how old I am right now? Oh, I'm terrible at this too. 35. See, 27. Okay. See? <laughs> yeah. Well, you have a so, lot of life well, in front of you. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I, I don't age. I was literally just born looking like this. <laughs> and I, so I'm hoping this will pay off once I catch up with 37. And then I start, like, when I'm 50, I hope I still retain this look. So then I'd be like, okay, it was worth it to be stuck in time. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, so will your wife be working also? So she she's a psychologist. And if if I I don't know, uh, like to until I talked to her, I used to think like that meant she could read minds. So I, I don't I don't know much about her work, but I've told her basically that whatever she does, I'm, I'm going to support her with it. So whatever it is. So. Ultimately, she's going to decide. I just never had an idealized version of a married life so that whenever I find someone, I don't fit them into something I've already decided. That's so now wonderful. basically, yeah. So we're going to brainstorm after wedding what's going to happen with right. how the arrangement's going to be. Well, and I don't know, like some fields, you know, are more conducive to work from home. Some of them need to be in person as a psychologist. Yeah, of course. As a construction worker, you can yeah. work from home unless <laughs> I mean, you're yeah. working in the home that you're building. True, true. Or unless you're, yeah, pretty much you have to be there. Um, well, I my uncle... My uncle has a labor uh, supply business in mm -hmm. uh, the construction industry. Yeah. So he works from home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So if you're like a manager or a boss or a business owner, it's a little easier. But if you're literally doing the work now, can she do like sessions virtually or has she in the past? No, she she's not done practice except like pro bono remote stuff so yeah that, that was remote but here's an interesting thing what we have is an arranged marriage so i'll tell you how it happens in pakistan i was shown a picture and i was like hey do you want to spend the next 25 or so years of your life with this person and i'm like i i'm not i've not spent even 25 years with myself how do i know uh, you have to decide by just looking at a picture. But fortunately, I'm a shallow guy. So I literally look at the picture and I'm like, well, she's pretty. Whatever the personalities, <laughs> I'm going to put up with it. So I said yes. And then they take a picture of me and they give that to her. And now she has to de decide. And fortunately, she says yes. But at the same time, quite curiously, she says yes. Like, why would she say yes? Um, I, I can see why I would say yes. Um, shallow. But she's not. 
So I asked her, I'm like, hey, how do you know that you want to spend the rest of your life with me? And she said, you have a great personality. And I was like, I could be faking it. How do you know? And she's like, well, I Googled you and I found some videos on YouTube. So I guess my <laughs> the lesson of the story is post on YouTube so you actually get a confirmation <laughs> once you're in a marriage arrangement. I have a few friends that have been in situations like this and there was some choice, mm-hmm. um, but there was, you know, still definitely like, we think this would be a great fit for you. What do you think? Do you agree? And um, I guess, oh, where was I going to go with this? I feel like um, they they did get to meet each other in person. Have you, have you met in person yet? Yes. Yes. Okay. So actually the, th- the thing is I had, I rejected 82 different potential matchups. Yeah. And then this person showed around. So ultimately, like I had the option to go with love marriage, but I was, I was too busy. And ultimately the problem with me with dating is it's just so hard for me to pick one and then say, okay, this is the relationship I'm going to be with. With dating, it's just so, it's, it's like, um, it's so hard to make it permanent for me. Like it's, it's easy to go on a new date to get a date and to like get involved with someone, but it's very hard for me to be in a relationship long-term, the longest relationship I've ever been in one year. Hmm. And the, and the slightly shorter time span than that, guess what? Three months. So except for that one year relationship, the maximum I had ever been in a relationship was three months. So I just realized at one point, I'm like, hey, if I start doing this, I'm never going to get married because it's it's literally not changing forever. It's just been like three month relationships really for me. So I have to, I have to just like be open to arrange marriage as well because that will make it a thing. So here's the thing with that. While my mom and dad and my relatives were looking for potential matchups, I was open to like date or bring someone as like an option for them to okay get married as well. But Mm -hmm. I literally just was completely disinterested. I was like, you guys do whatever you're doing. I'm just going to focus on my business. And then, yeah, they, they kept bringing, I kept saying no until they brought this one. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, this is good enough this is great in fact so and then when we had a conversation to my delight actually she's very empathetic she has a great personality very caring actually and very very smart so yeah mm-hmm. it, it worked out i um but could have gone horribly to be honest oh yeah i met my husband and we got married just under three months and that's also very unusual in the United States. You know, people yeah. usually date or are engaged for a year or two, um, five, ten, even sometimes. Yeah, because they're but, trying to imitate TV's shows and movies. Like if yeah. you actually go to someone and say, hey, you're dating this person for three months. Would you like to get married to them? 
And like, if they're not even thinking about being judged, they'd be like, yeah, honestly, I believe I'll marry this person unless like some sudden problem arises and we have to fall apart. I just see my future with this person. You never really get into a relationship past two or three months thinking, oh, I might just break up with this person. That might be the case with the first month, really, where you're testing the waters. But two or three months in, you're pretty comfortable. And it's just that people think it's socially not acceptable because all the friends would be like, yeah. oh my God, how, how do you know? There's so many like cultural expectations and, um, you know, the, the, the traditions of, you know, having, getting the correct ring and, you know, the whole thing of like, it should be two months salary, you know, and you save up money yeah, to yeah. try to, or, you know, to plan this big wedding. And we, we didn't yeah. care. We're like, you know what? He had a, a, a winter vacation from school. I had some flexibility with my work and we're like, let's take advantage of this, um, you know, his winter break, because as soon as he went back into his grad school program, he was going to be so tied down with research in the, in the spring and the summer, you know, for the next couple of years, we're like, this is the only chance we have at actually yeah. truly having, you know, 11 days without other obligations. Um, you know, looking back, it, it was very fast. You know, if I were, to, if my kids were to come to me and be like, I want to get married to this person in three months, you know, we'd be like, well, slow down, you know, but we were also 31 years old. And so we, you know, had established uh, our own home. You know, he had an apartment, I had a house. Uh, we had learned how to pay bills and, you know, be responsible humans. And, um, you know, some yes, of the yes, things yes. that an 18 year old mm-hmm. might not have learned yet. So, Actually, we saved money when we got married because we got discount on so many different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a little bit about like our, our grandparents' generation, at least here in the States. My grandparents, um, I, I guess I can't speak for um, all of them, but that generation, sometimes they would get married kind of quickly without always having a very in-depth, um, I don't know, they would be very young, you know, sometimes 17, 18 years old, but then they'd stick together forever. And it was more that commitment to let's yeah. grow together, let's learn together, let's, you know, fail together, but then like, come back again and, you know, and it's more the commitment to the lifestyle. So so here's the thing. Um, I'll tell you what, I've noticed that you're different from every single, like, American I've talked to <laughs> and in, in likable ways, in likable ways. I'll tell you something here. Uh, you, you said that you learned how to pay the bills and everything. And when I was 18 and I uh, was starting, so the culture here is that your parents support you throughout your university until you get your first job. And then you support them pretty much throughout their life. Like wow. you support them. Yeah. So, so with university, my dad wanted me to like, you know, go from home and just, go with the bus to the university and come back. But I said, I'm going to move out. You're still going to give me like my pocket money, but I'll manage it. So first I wanted to be semi-independent. So I'd be able to learn how to budget, how to spend, how to save. And then of course, when I'd get a job, it would be a different thing. It would then become completely independent. Mm. But I messed up that budget so bad in the first month that I literally had the equivalent of $4.00 less than four dollars and a whole week (laughs) a whole week which i had to cover with less than four dollars 
and I had to like get my breakfast, lunch, dinner every single day for like a whole week I had ahead of me before my next pocket money would come. And I just had less than $4 because I had spent like irresponsibly. And now I had the option to call my dad and get an instant transfer, but I did not want to exercise that. I wanted to learn a lesson. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go buy some veggies. I know how to cook. So I'm going to just cook for myself. Veggies are pretty cheap. It will cover at least six days. I go to the supermarket and dude, I see this sale, like at the sale promotional thing, they've got this big box of a snack called Hello Panda. It's like a biscuit. It's a round biscuit, like a panda head filled with chocolate. And this is a family pack. This Where is a this family going? family pack of 24, like 24 family packs of uh, Hello Panda. I did quick math. I was like, I can have two a day. I can have two a day and I'll still have like a week's worth left. And maybe I can have this for my breakfast, lunch and dinner. So I literally bought that whole thing because it was for like the same amount of money that I had. And I went home and dude, first day was awesome. Like I was literally having chocolate biscuits for breakfast, lunch and dinner. By third day, it was so bad. I literally had to hold my nose, just chug them in chow them like chew them and then just use water to swallow it because my throat was rejecting hello panda and it's been over 16 years dude anytime i see hello panda in a supermarket i feel like like i tag yep yep i feel nauseous (laughs) oh man i think carrots might have been a healthier choice Oh man, I have fasted before. Um, intentionally, we were talking before we started recording about intermittent fasting. And is that part of your lifestyle right now? Yes, intermittent fasting is a part of my lifestyle because I lost 80 pounds and I'm terrified of putting on even a single one of it back, mm. single one of them back. So intermittent fasting just ensures a lot of my life is about like making systems that just ensure that I just don't have to put in a lot more effort than Mm. I just have to. So the system here is that I literally cannot eat more calories than I need in a single meal. So if I just skip all the meals and just have everything in a single meal. So I literally have the same dinner pretty much. It's two whole chickens and one huge tray of rice in one sitting. But that's pretty much also the calories that I need. That's the total calories I need. So I have that just once and then I die until the next morning. Did you just say two chickens? Yes, two whole chickens and then like grilled and then a huge tray of rice and that's it. Or I'll have four round non breads. Not N-O-N, non-breads. Any fruit? Fruit or vegetables? Ah, fruits are overrated. I could live off of fruits. (laughs) Yeah, vegetables are like, accidentally, I might have have some because like in a salad or some topping or something in in a sandwich. But when it comes to fruit, uh, it's like pretty hardly. I like mangoes. I like lychee. And I, I do occasionally have fruit, but it's like rarer than actually like going to a different country. I'll go to a different country more often than I'll have fruit, to be now, honest. When I've, when I've traveled internationally, every home that I visit, 
it's food, food, food. Like they're, they're stuffing me to the brim. And um, how is that working for you when you're traveling? Are you trying to maintain your intermittent fasting schedule and diet while you're visiting family? So I don't visit more than three houses in a day. And I also don't have more than three cups of coffee in a day. So what works well is I a carry my own coffee and artificial sweetener right you, you know by the way with artificial sweetener it's like less fattening so you get to stay slim but there's some research that suggests that there might be a tiny chance that if you have a lot of sweetener sugar-free sweetener you might get cancer like a friend told me that or like dude you use this non-sugar sweetener you might get cancer and I was like, at least my corpse will be good looking. <laughs> oh my shower. goodness. It's so, pretty. So, they're, they're not so very natural. The yeah. So I carry uh, with me my coffee in a small can, canister coffee powder, uh, which is just instant coffee. Okay. I'm not a coffee snob. And I carry my sweetener. So when I go someplace and they're like, we're going to bring food, I'm like, no, but if you have coffee, please make some and then I'll use my sweetener. And if they just don't have coffee powder, um, hot water. I'm just going to say, okay, uh, yeah, like hot water, use this. So they still feel like they've served something. But in Pakistan, coffee is not that common. I literally went to a place called Cafe. Like they have some name and then Cafe. It's a cafe. I go in and um, I'm like, I actually said, do you have coffee? And they said, no, we have a paratha. Paratha is a bread. I'm like, how is that even a replacement for coffee? It's like you could have said tea or chai. I would have understood. They're like, we've got paratha. This is the thing we're pushing. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> coffee coffee is not that common in Pakistan, to be honest. Oh, my goodness. Okay, talk to us about your book. So your book um, has a kind of a weighty title. Um, it makes you really, I, I had to read it before I, before I met with you, I had to, um, read the first 20%. It was, uh, the, the free preview that Amazon gave me, but, um, charm like a narcissist talk to us about yeah, you want, you, you wanted to, you wanted to make sure I'm not just teaching people how to be hardcore to be? toxic narcissists. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, what am I getting myself into here? Yeah. <laughs> So what I wanted people to know is basically every single remarkable figure out there is most likely slightly narcissistic. We see of narcissists as these obsessive, toxic personalities who are just wreaking havoc in the lives of people around them. But to be remarkable and to be known in the world today, you have to have some degree of narcissism because of how competitive the space is. So many celebrities you like even the nicest looking ones the nicest seeming ones are probably slightly narcissistic and a hundred percent of cult uh, leaders are narcissistic so what is it that draws people to these personalities that stand out i don't want people to focus on self-obsessed narcissists because if you can see the narcissism the narcissist isn't a good narcissist it's the same as acting if you can see an actor in a movie instead of seeing the character and that's not a good actor. A good actor is invisible. A good narcissist is invisible. They just seem like a remarkable, compelling, charismatic character. What I want people to do is I want them to take two things from narcissists. Now, I don't know what your politics are or what anyone's politics are, and I'm not going to make a political statement here, but there are two facts. Fact number one, Donald Trump is a narcissist. Fact number two, he got to be in the highest position 
position in the U.S. highest civilian position, which was the president of the U.S. That's how does that happen? How does that happen? It happens because a he aimed that high. He didn't have any self talk with I'm a reality star. Maybe I must do governor. I must do this. That he was like no 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 straight president. You aim high, and second, if he fails. He doesn't take it personally because he doesn't think he's responsible for any of his failures. Now, of course, that has a reflection drawback because you don't improve, but it also allows you to try again. And if people take those two things, they aim high and they keep trying again, sooner or later, they're going to end up in a position of power from where being charming is easy because charisma is someone, April, who you think is special making you feel special. So if you get into a position where you're the president or a billionaire, it's easy to be charming to someone because you just have to remember their name, be nice to them, shake hands with them, and they're already charmed. Now, if you don't have any power, any status, you cannot be a charmer. You can be a people pleaser. So step one is to seem special which means doing the confidence work necessary, self-image work necessary, all of which is taught in the book. And if you carry yourself as if you're special, you exude this energy that attracts people. So um, <laughs> I don't want to be a narcissist, but I want to be more confident. And a lot of times I find myself second guessing my worth and you know wanting to be humble and not wanting to come across as too, too something. Um, how can you be confident and not be off-putting to your friends and family and and clients and you know social network okay so first of all if you're not a narcissist it's pretty hard for you to just jump into being a narcissist okay i don't so want don't to even be a worry narcissist. about it yeah, yeah i don't even yeah, want to yeah. say you, that you <laughs> so so it's it's like it's like girls who took who wanted to work out with me they were like i want to work out right? But I don't want to be muscular. I'm like, do you know how hard it is to build muscle? Don't worry about it. It's not going to happen. It's the same. Do you know how hard it is to be so, to lack self-awareness to a degree where you become a narcissist? It's impossible. So don't worry about it. You're not going to become a narcissist by just taking the charming aspect of a narcissist personality. It's pretty hard to actually make any lasting change without consistent practice. In fact, the first time I uh, put myself out on the line was when I developed a crush on this girl back in like I was sixth or seventh grade. I was a kid, but and back then there were no cell phones. So really think about how long back this was. And her sister was in my sister's class. So I got their landline number, right? And this is not USA, like me just calling there. Her dad could just show up and spank me. <laughs> but I risk that, you know, you got to do things for love. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my childhood. Okay, so I, I literally just called her and I was like, okay, now I've already put myself out there. There's no way I'm going to regress now, right? Um, I put myself where I have to be confident. Her dad picks up. No, actually didn't. If, if he did, it would be a more interesting story. But she picks up and she's, she had already called a restaurant or something. She's like, Oh, you're calling back from the restaurant, right? And I saw that out and I took it. That was the comfortable choice. So I was like, yeah, 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 I am. And I literally took her whole order, like this many burgers, this many fries, these drinks. And I'm like, thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. And I hung up and I told my sister, 
How many times, no matter how many times it rings, don't pick up this phone again. And then for that night, we just disconnected the phone. But I literally tried to be confident when I wasn't. And I jumped in and I still could not be the confident person because I regressed. So don't worry. If it's not natural for you to be a narcissist, you will not become a narcissist unintentionally. What you will do is you will be slightly more confident and have a slightly, it will just slightly go up. And because you're self-aware, you will notice when you overstep and it off-puts people, you'll just step back. Now, how does this happen gradually? How you did do- that family get their food that night? <laughs> I, I, I hope, I hope that they call, I hope they called to check up or the restaurant actually called them. But look, that wasn't my concern. It's like self-preservation <laughs> is the highest priority. Okay. <laughs> All okay, right. So I'm so, not at risk of becoming a narcissist, but um, so do you talk about narcissists a lot when you talk with people about confidence or do you just go with the confidence route? Charisma. So I literally just take what narcissists unintentionally do right, which is the aim high and they also have a personal myth. They have a story in their head about why they are the main character of not just their life, but everyone's life. And what I want you to do is I want you to go back and pick your virtues, pick your victories so you too can build a narrative that might not just conquer everyone's interests and like become a toxic I am the boss thing but it will at least offset the following unfairness you see when you mess up people remind you in fact if you have problems with audio on a podcast you remember that but when podcast goes well you don't because it went well so what happens is your self-image absorbs stories of, first of all, people telling you when you messed up and then you remembering when you mess up. But nobody tells you as consistently when you're doing things right. And then you also don't remember when you do things right. So most, pretty much the whole planet, everyone's self-image is slightly leaning towards the negative because of how our brain just remembers things that shouldn't be. So just what doesn't fit the pattern. So whatever's wrong. What I want you to do is just list your virtues, your victories, which could be marrying within three months and marrying the right person. <laughs> Saving up when you get married. So it doesn't matter the nature or the size of the victory. What matters is that it is a victory in your head. And just make a list of those and go over those every single day in the morning so you so you wake up loving yourself and that's not any worse than seeing others because people put out their best on social media nobody like really put, puts up puts out how much of a mess their life is right so they put up what's beautiful and you already have a positive image about them i'm just saying do that with yourself as well and that's where people think that that might be narcissistic, that might be wrong. But why? Why not care for yourself as if you're your own friend? Okay, so the way that we we see the better side of people and we want to encourage them and be like, no, 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 you, you really have some things going for you. You're saying our self-speak when we talk to ourselves should be a little bit more encouraging and 
confident. Yeah, and that is technically narcissistic. But so what? As long as it does not mean that I'm so much of a main character that I might destroy someone else's life, but as long as it serves me, I'm the master, that's great. So if it doesn't go to that degree, it's actually good that you want to do things for yourself. You want to accumulate more money. You want to have more influence. You want to have your name be out there more because guess what? You don't want your name to be out there in a negative sense. Okay. So even just serving the goal of having your name out there forces you to do good in life. That's why so many uh, quote-unquote philanthropists spend billions on charity and you're like, I know you're not that much of a goody two-shoes. Why are you doing this? Just legacy reasons. So ultimately, a lot of good can come from this but you cannot lose touch with your self-awareness. And that's why I recommend towards the end of the book that you have a list of people who you respect more than yourself. So then when they give you feedback, you listen. That's what keeps you from being a narcissist. Okay. See, the thing with Trump was he, he fired General Mattis. He fired people. And I was like, okay, so who do you respect? Who are you listening to? And if you're just listening to yourself, then you're just relying on luck that you're just not going to make a very bad or unpopular decision. So yeah, being a narcissist always leads to crashing and burning after the peak. I just picked what takes you to the peak. Positive self-esteem, noticing your victories, knowing your pros, and then also serving the idea of just your interests being aligned with other people's interests and narcissists just serve others only to get attention and then after a while there's no end goal to attention and i start the book by noticing what's your why if your why is to build a legacy for your kids then you're bringing attention to yourself only so you can funnel it to a business that your kids might run someday. With narcissists, there's no end goal. I want attention because I want attention. So that's the difference. As long as you don't seek attention just for yourself, that's fine. Well, like okay. narcissism won't be a problem. I can follow this. When whenever I took a, my first commercial flight, and yeah. I, you know, um, the the flight attendants are saying, you know, in the case of, you know, low oxygen or low pressure or something like that, the oxygen masks will fall, put your mask on yourself first and then help your sister, people next to you, your children or whatever, where every parent, you know, or every human usually would be like, no, 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 no. Of course I would be the kind of person that would take care of my kid first. And they're like, no, 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 no. If you black out, then you can't help your kid. (laughs) You have to take care of yourself first and then help your kid. If that, yeah. does that drive with what you're thinking or am I, am I going down the yeah, right yeah, track? Yeah, here? yeah, yeah, right track. And, all, and all, of course, that's also practical because just imagine your mom and dad, they'd have to do this 10 times over while holding their breath and then wear a mask. So it's not even practical to do it with kids because not everyone has one kid. It might be possible to do it with one kid, just put the mask and then you, but the rule is made. So it works for everyone. And what works for everyone is first do it for yourself. And that's the same with life. You might be able to be so selfless that you ignore yourself and serve one or two people. But if you want to make the most impact in in the world, 
you have to first get into a position of power. It's just that you should not lose touch with your why, with your purpose. As long as your purpose is not narcissistic, the vehicle there can seem narcissistic. It might seem like, oh, you're doing this thing where you're becoming this compelling magnetic personality, but you're not doing it just so you can, you know, enjoy being a popular guy. You have an end goal. You want your business to grow. You want to have more friends. You want to have more donors for a charity. It's up to you. Okay. So I know that we're going to have to wrap up in the next few minutes because I have an appointment I have to get to, but I want to give you yeah, a few minutes. I'm also, I'm also reaching <laughs> the limit. Like I might like just drop in, like sleep. <laughs> he, he hasn't eaten okay. yet and he needs his food uh, desperately. Mm. But, um, and he told me that he could eat before we did the interview because then he'd be in his food coma. <laughs> and so yeah. we're going to, we're going to push through, but if you can give me just a couple of minutes and speak to the people who are feeling like, oh, I just work from home. Um, you know, like, can you help boost the confidence of people who, who might feel like they would have to take second best to work from home? Um, can you talk a little bit about that positive side of it? And, you know, why would someone want to work from home and not consider it be a downgraded job? Okay. So the thing is, if you look at the evolution of humans started with hunting, you go out and you get food in an unknown territory. And then it got brought back to gathering. And then it got brought back to farming where you could literally be in your backyard. So the human evolution is a process of where you do your most meaningful work the closest to home. The symbol of a society's evolution is how far its people have to go to get what they need. And here's the thing. If you look at quote-unquote third world countries, there are people who go on work visas to different countries. They work there. They're not uh, like they don't have the nationality or passport from there. They work there and send money back home. So the farther you have to go from what you consider home, the less evolved you are professionally. And I'm willing to stand by the statement. So the more you can work from home, the more the further you are in terms of the human advancement. And I truly believe the next frontier is working from home. You're the pioneers of this space. You'll get to be the guys who'd be able to, you're basically like Neil Armstrong because you are quite literally the first in line in the next 10 years, guarantee it, most of the work would be done from home. I work with, as I said, I, I confidence, I'm a confidence coach for executives, right? And they actually talk about the high level decision-making that's happening. And so many work from home manuals for every single job are being currently made. Yeah. So it's not even about the pandemic anymore. Pandemic goes away. It's still going to be work from home. The people who are currently working from home are literally the first generation. They'll be able to tell their grandkids about being the first ones to work from home when offices were getting uh, like outdated and when offices still used to exist. It's going to be like the milkman, the milk shop, like that kind of thing. And honestly, it's an interesting time. It's just collect as many stories as you can of work from home messes 
because these will be the tales that your kids and their kids will listen to as if like the, this was like exploring a new frontier because offices are quite literally just going away. From what I know, how the documentations are working on at the highest level, offices are going to go away completely. Uh, there will be shared business centers in communities where people might just go as freelancers or as office teams to work. That might become more prominent, but each company owning an office, it's going away within the next 10 years. So not only do you have the competitive advantage of adapting first, but you also have the interesting story about being the pioneers in this field, being the first people to do it, and you will have those bragging rights forever. That was great. I, When you were talking about that, you know, the further you'd have to go to get your work, uh, it made me think about water. You know, back in the day, the nomadic cultures would have to seek out, you know, food and water and travel. And, you know, and now, um, you know, there's still cultures where people have to go out to the, the village well and gather their water where I have a faucet within four feet of me right now. And yeah. that's really an interesting way to com- to think about that. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, so the only difference really is that with office, there's a social aspect. So the extroverts might feel down, but don't worry about it. There will be a neighborhood business centers. So you will connect with people who are your neighbors while you work. So you're working from home, but the definition of home will get a little broader and it will be the neighborhood. So again, cars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there will be a sense of socialization but it will still be considered kind of working from home because this term will go away. Working from home, the term will go away. It will just be working and you'll still be able to talk about how you were the first ones to do it. I mean, the piano teachers and the farmers, you know, they also worked from home, but in a very different way. Now we're using technology to connect internationally from our home. Yes, yes, yes. And um, any final thoughts before we wrap it up? The final thoughts are if anyone wants a free copy of the book, now that I've sold over a thousand paperbacks, I'm not even selling anymore. So I mean, like on Amazon, you can still get it. But if you want a free digital copy, just go to my website, which is imibrahim.com. You can put it in the show notes and they can just hit the subscribe button from the menu and then just fill out the details on which I can send a free copy of the book. You too do it, April, because you've just read 20% of it. And just yeah yeah so uh, the book will teach you how you can be your most charismatic self which will allow you to get more gigs because a lot of business and uh, and life success is all about just being fun to hang out with and then everything else is rationalization you do business with people you enjoy the company of and then you say oh this person has a high iq when you don't even know what iq means like literally (laughs) you just make up an excuse. So be a fun person to hang out with and life is going to get better. I want to spell out your uh, web address because it's I-A-M-I-B-R-A-H-I-M.com. Did I get it right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Got it. And then uh, do you have any other places where people should reach out to you or is that the best place? See, that's the interesting thing about me. I I used to have over 10,000 followers on Instagram, literally deleted all my social media because I realized most of my revenue is from just having a direct connection with my clients. So I have WhatsApp connection for my business clients. So with my phone, 
And then for my community, people who I serve and I don't sell anything to, for them, I have an email newsletter. I just send out inspirational daily posts. And the posts are archived on iamibrahim.com so they can also read, like your, your listeners can go and read the kind of interesting trivia and facts I send out every single day. Do you have a contact form on your website? Yeah, the subscription basically is also a contact form. So they just send the email. And once you start receiving emails from me, you can reply back and I'll, I'll just connect with people there. That is very cutting edge of you as well, because right now mm-hmm. so many people are trying to gather, you know, the social media mm-hmm. and you're like, I know what's making me money. And this is, or I know where I want to <laughs> connect with people. So yes, I like it. Yeah. And it also forces me to make friends offline. So, because working from home, it can be easy to just make too many friends just online, but deeper connections are made offline. So just having an email list allows me to, first of all, just communicate virtually with a wider people, make a wide impact, but also for personal connection, I still connect with my neighbors, you know, bring them cake. And it's like when I moved in and everything. So it's, it's like, I, I like that more. It's more fulfilling to me. And you're also a professional speaker. Um, what yes. is there, the main thing that you like to go out and, and share? Yeah, the main thing I uh, like to go out and share is how people can just lean into their most fun self because that's also A, you feel the most confident when people are having fun because of you. It doesn't matter whether you're doing a magic trick or you're just speaking. Like whenever you feel the most confident is when you look around and people are positively nodding. So lean into your most fun self and just people will follow along and people will do nice things for you as long as you're fun. Are good looking, but we don't control that really, do we? <laughs> All right. So many nuggets of wisdom today. Thank you so much, Ibrahim. I appreciate your time with us. Go eat some good food. Are you going to go eat two mm-hmm. chickens? Yes. All right. Well, this has been April Malone with Ibrahim Dar, and this has been Yes, I Work From Home. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. Bye-bye.